After last week's discussion about changing dynamics in networks for supporting IoT, how do we rank the various communication service providers, such as AT&T and Vodafone, in delivering the Internet of Things? My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. One of the most interesting parts of the job of an analyst is to benchmark the capabilities of different players in a particular technology market. Enterprise adopters are interested in it, naturally, because they want to know who they should be working with. The vendors themselves are also really interested in it because they want to understand how they match up to their peers. Over the last few months, I've been undertaking a substantial amount of research to complete Transformer Insight's inaugural Communication Service Provider IoT Peer Benchmarking Report. Quite a mouthful. Specifically, it's focused on digging into the strategies and capabilities of the top 10 providers in the space. Companies like AT&T, Deutsche Telekom, Telefonica, Telenor and Vodafone. We looked at technical capabilities, service offerings, geographical reach and so on. The report came out today, and I'm delighted to share some of the findings from it. Firstly, in terms of the key trends we've seen, and secondly, what marks out the top vendors. As well as being able to say who's best, I'll get onto that in a moment, the research we've done also flags up a lot of really interesting developments across all of the areas considered. First one is more independence for IoT business units. One of the more interesting trends in the last couple of years, and particularly in the last 12 months, has been the increasing independence of the IoT units within the bigger operators. For some, it's nothing new. Telenor Connection has always been highly independent within the Telenor group. And then there are Eris, and core, which are companies focus completely on IoT. But for several of the others, there's been a definite move to pull IoT out of the wider organization. Deutsche Telekom, for instance, formed DTIoT GmbH, which was founded back in just July. And Telefonica now has Telefonica Tech, which brings together its IoT, big data, cloud and cybersecurity capabilities. Telia also did a similar thing a few years ago with Division X. There are strong arguments for breaking the IoT unit out of the wider organisation, mostly related to being more nimble. But there's a counter-argument that it's very useful to have an integrated approach, supporting all of an enterprise's needs, regardless of whether they relate to IoT or more mainstream enterprise ICT services. If I work for a large enterprise, do I really want to have multiple conversations? Second major thing, networks going local again. I talked about this topic in some depth in the last episode. The funny thing is that after many years of taking global availability of connectivity for granted, we now find ourselves comparing coverage maps and discussing newly established roaming agreements. This feels like regression. Those are the kind of conversations that we had 15 or 20 years ago. In reality, it reflects the teething problems 
of a new set of very useful technologies. But it's worth noting that after years, when the connectivity piece of the equation was undifferentiated, today it's again valuable to be able to stitch together a global connectivity offer. A big trend over the last few years relates to platforms and alliances. We've seen a substantial evolution in CSP approaches to middleware platforms, i.e. the software that controls the activation, billing and control of the devices and the application. Historically, for connectivity platforms, i.e. the thing that manages the SIM cards, there were three options. Jasper's Control Center, Ericsson's DCP, and Vodafone's in-house developed GDSP. Others were available, including platforms from Comark, Huawei, and ZTE. But the world broadly split between Jasper, Ericsson, and Vodafone. Over the last few years, we've seen this fragment. Increasingly, operators using third-party platforms have substantially built on them to include capabilities covering, for instance, EUICC, public cloud integration, device management, application enablement capability, and the provision of APIs, and even data exchange. All of these to run in parallel or as an add-on to those platforms. In part, the fragmentation has been a reaction to the failure of the platform players, particularly Cisco, now the owner of Jasper, to continue to enhance the offering. In particular, I'd say, they failed to spot the need for multiple variants to address diverse client needs, from low cost, low touch, through to highly customized requirements. The one size no longer fits all. All of this means that those operators who develop their own platform from scratch, Verizon and Vodafone predominantly, and those where the relationship with the third-party platform developer was more arm's length while maintaining their own parallel capability, for instance, DTIOT, Orange and Telefonica, are in a much better position than those relying exclusively on third parties. The scale benefits of using those third-party offerings have all but disappeared due to the requirements to plug gaps and build on top of them. In parallel with the depolarization of the platform space, has been a similar diminishing of the importance of the alliances. Five years ago, the users of the three main platforms also broadly split between three alliances. Think airline alliances like Star Alliance, that kind of thing. Those using Jasper Control Center formed the M2M, later IoT World Alliance, with the notable exception of AT&T. Those that used Ericsson DCP formed the Global M2M Association, the GMA. The third group were those within the Vodafone partner network, some of whom made use of GDSP. The mapping between platform use and membership of an alliance wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close. Today, the GMA and the IWA are more or less irrelevant. The problem was that it always proved impossible to cross-sell each other's products. That's something, of course, that the airline alliances certainly could do. But these operator alliances couldn't, in large part because of the complexity of the deals that were being negotiated. The alliances became little more than talking shops, although often the bilateral relationships between carriers proved useful. Much more robust has been the, in inverted commas, alliance around Vodafone where the relationship was a much more clear one. Finally, 
I should flag up a much more rational approach to verticals. It's notable that CSPs have reined in their ambitions with regard to vertical-specific offerings. The amount of undifferentiated direct-to-enterprise services have declined. What remains are much more targeted and market-leading. The Me Too offerings have largely been abandoned. This is hardly surprising. The markets for specific end-user applications are typically much more fiercely contested, and the CSPs have only thrived where they have a true differentiator. In most cases, this has come from acquisition. For instance, Telefonica of On The Spot, Vodafone of Cobra Automotive, Telia of Falcom, or Verizon, which has made a $3 billion bet on fleet management and associated applications by going on the acquisition trail. In some cases, the decision has been taken to focus not on verticals, but on horizontal capabilities and particular types of customers. This has generally been the continuing approach of Telenor Connection, DTIoT and Orange. The big question is, of course, who tops the rankings? Well, there is a message that we will repeat ad nauseum. There is no single best company for providing connectivity in IoT. Any analysis that indicates that there is, would be extremely reductive. There will, however, be a right provider or providers for any enterprise wishing to procure connectivity. It is likely, but not certain, to be one of the operators listed in the report. The 10 companies we cover are what we consider to be the best global operators, most able to support connections around the world. In many cases, the local carrier might, however, be equally well-suited, if not better. The deciding factor for selecting a provider of IoT connectivity should be some combination of three things. Technical. All CSBs provide some form of IoT connectivity, but there are many other capabilities which they may or may not be able to support, which might set them apart from their competitors. I've talked about platforms already. There are a whole host of these. I'll talk about them in a moment. Geographical. Coverage and presence are still important, and in fact, arguably, increasingly so. Consideration here includes indirect market access via partnerships, alliances, and other commercial agreements. The third one is vertical. CSPs have different capabilities for addressing particular verticals, or systems integration or consulting capabilities for building solutions across multiple verticals. In the report, we put together heat maps to present our views on how the 10 operators match up according to eight technical criteria, seven vertical sector capabilities, and the ability to address opportunities in six main regions. Clearly, most operators are strong on the provision of connectivity, but with rather more variation on other capabilities. Verticals is much more a mixed bag with some very strong dedicated propositions and some cases where the CSP is elected to focus solely on the provision of horizontal connectivity. A lot of variety in terms of the approaches here. Geography is also naturally fragmented, with all operators having a particular geographical focus, being naturally focused on their nominal home regions. Aries, AT&T and Verizon, for instance, are strongly focused on the US. 
Geographical coverage is also expanded by partnerships, which gives significant variation in the ability to address other regions like China. Technical capabilities is our first port of call. The first subcategories within technical relate to the provision of access networks, public broadband, public narrowband, and private networks. All of the companies listed in the report have strong capability in the provision of public broadband connectivity, and there is not a huge amount to choose between them. For narrowband networks, however, there's quite a lot of variety in strategy. Technology deployments, i.e. of narrowband IoT, LoRa or LTEM, roaming arrangements, and the maturity of offerings all help to score high here. High scorers in this category include AT&T, Telia and Vodafone. The final network subcategory is private networks, which are attracting increasing interest from many of the companies profiled. These are typically campus-style deployments for factories, ports and similar. These have been a particular focus of Deutsche Telekom, Orange, Telefonica and Vodafone, all of whom have been developing strong propositions in this area. It's worth noting that 5G seems to have been a stimulus for a lot of the interest in private networks, but the majority of the implementations are still using trusty old LTE. Now onto the connectivity platform category I spoke about earlier. Strong performance here depends on having in-house control and having a segmented approach. For instance, with explicit platforms for particular types of customer. Vodafone, Verizon, DTIOT and Telefonica all score well here. The other platform areas are device management, application enablement, and data exchange and analytics. Here again, DTIOT scores well, particularly thanks to its unique data intelligence hub capability. Vodafone, Verizon, and Telefonica all do well, the latter in large part because of its strong heritage in data analytics through its Luca subsidiary. The final rating is on professional services, which relies on the CSB having consulting and systems integration capabilities. Some are strong in this space, most notably Deutsche Telekom via T-Systems. Others have almost non-existent capabilities, relying entirely on horizontal off-the-shelf offerings and or partnering with third parties for customised solutions. Our second set of capabilities are vertical. Specifically, we look at how good the CSPs are at addressing what we at Transformer Insights consider to be the biggest opportunities for CSPs. In some cases, the CSPs have a strong direct service offering. For instance, Verizon's extensive fleet management and logistics Verizon Connect offering, or Eris's mobility suite, which provides a full connected vehicle offering, or Telefonica's on the spot in retail. In other cases, it's related to having the appropriate experience or constituent capabilities to provide the most complete set of tools for a third party service provider. The most developed capabilities in each of the verticals are as follows. Feels a bit like the Oscars. Utilities. Telefonica, Telia and Verizon have the most experience in this category today by virtue of supporting extensive smart meter and grid deployments. Connected car. This has been a strong focus for most CSPs. Eris's mobility suite is worth calling out here as a white label connected vehicle platform. For others, the focus has been more on providing the most appropriate connectivity offering to secure a large proportion of car manufacturers. 
AT&T and Vodafone have been particularly strong here. Vodafone has further strong credentials here through its Vodafone Automotive business unit, which provides a full set of capabilities from device through to installation. Transportation. I mentioned it already, but Verizon made a $3 billion bet on fleet management and associated applications. By virtue of this, it has a genuine market-leading offer for end customers. Telia has also established strong credibility for its public transport offering. Smart building. This category represents what we think is a very strong revenue opportunity, but is not typically associated with wide area connectivity. Therefore, CSPs have not largely pursued it in an aggressive way. However, some, including Verizon, Telia and Orange, are starting to make good headway. Retail. Few CSPs have much of an offering dedicated to retail IoT. Telefonica, via its on-the-spot acquisition, is the most notable exception. Smart cities. Both AT&T and Verizon have been quite progressive in pursuing the smart city space, taking the lead on developing a number of projects. The role for most other CSPs has generally been as a connectivity provider. The big exception in Europe is Telefonica, which has had some strong wins with its Fiware-based platform. Industrial. This is a big focus for CSPs currently, being perceived as a sector with a natural fit with newly deployed 5G networks. Many operators are looking for something shiny to point their brand new 5G networks at. Orange here has a strong co-innovation approach, while Vodafone has seen some very strong wins for industrial private networks. Geographical capabilities is our final part of the equation. The importance of geography is very closely linked to the specifics of any deployment. Some will be focused on connecting devices within a single country, like smart metering for instance, whereas others will involve deployments to dozens of countries worldwide. Sometimes the devices are static in country, and sometimes they cycle between countries. Our main consideration in this report is global deployments, i.e. those involving several countries. All of the operators listed support global connectivity through a combination of their own networks within footprint countries and through roaming and localization of devices on partner networks. High ratings for each of the six super regions covered come from having a facilities-based network, e.g. AT&T or Verizon in the US, and after that, based on roaming agreements and alliances. Vodafone rates very high for coverage, courtesy of a strong footprint and an extensive network of partner operators. Telenor, Telefonica and DTIoT also score strongly here based on extensive partnership and, in the case of DT, own networks in both Europe and North America. Virtual network operators Core and Aeris score well here also, thanks to a strong heritage of securing connectivity agreements around the world. AT&T and Verizon tend to be highly focused on their own region to the exclusion of global opportunities. Of course, having created a heat map, any analyst will have the overwhelming urge to apply some weightings to each of the categories and thereby create a ranking. But I have to hold something back for the report. If you're interested in getting hold of a copy, you can contact us at inquiries at transformerinsights.com that email address will be on the transcription at wirelessnoodle.com.
I've run through some of the thinking in looking at qualitatively who provides the best services. There is always, however, a lot of interest in how many IoT connections are declared by the various mobile network operators. Not least because it's one of the few metrics, one of the few quantitative measures of success. If you want to take a look at the numbers that we gathered, there's a blog post on transformerinsights.com with a link in the transcript on wirelessnoodle.com, which shows a dynamic chart tracking the numbers of connections for the top 25 operators. It's very pretty. We also spun out a press release from the findings of doing all of those calculations of how many connections every operator has. And the headline was that the biggest 33 communication service provider groups worldwide accounted for 1.27 billion cellular IoT connections at the end of 2019, up from 948 million at the end of 2018, an increase of 34%. And we estimate that those 33 operators account for more than 95% of global connections. So this is a pretty good indication of how fast the market's growing. It's also a pretty good indication of where the market's growing. The lion's share of connections is accounted for by Chinese operators, which have 857 million connections, up from 605 million at the end of 2018, so a 42% growth. The other 30 non-Chinese operators that we track collectively saw annual growth of 21%, up from 343 million to 415 million. Fully two thirds of the cellular IoT market is accounted for by China. It's also worth noting that Transformer Insights has reviewed and revised down the number of connections for the Chinese operators compared to those that they publish, which were collectively over 1.2 billion at the end of 2019. There is, of course, little dispute in the dominance of the Chinese operators, but the sheer scale of the reported figures set some alarm bells ringing for us analysts. Based on some further digging, we think the real figure for what we would define as IoT connections are about 30% lower than the official stated numbers for IoT connections. But nevertheless, that still gives that 857 million connections figure, two thirds of the world. Hand in hand, with that trend is a wide divergence in average revenue per connection. Based on limited available public data, the highest was over $4 per month. However, in comparison, the Chinese operators reported only a small fraction of that, 15 to 20 cents per month. While China Mobile might be streets ahead of the likes of Vodafone in terms of numbers of connections, in terms of revenues, they're pretty closely matched. Vodafone being the biggest of the non-Chinese operators with a little over 100 million connections. As a final thought, we cannot reinforce enough that discussions about overarching trends and numbers of connected devices are all very well, but the most important thing to anyone actually procuring IoT is who can best meet your requirements. If you are a buyer of these types of services, 
focus on the qualitative and the specific. Who can do what you want them to do and has a track record of doing so? If an operator has millions of connections in a different vertical, doing different stuff in a different place, it's nowhere near as valuable to you as a smaller niche provider who knows your area, vertical or geographical, inside out. Next week, I'm going to have a look at the so-called hyperscalers, Microsoft, Google and AWS and their strategies. It's probably the hottest topic of the day to understand what they're doing with regard to all of these disruptive technologies, AI, edge computing, IoT, and a host of others. Everybody is worried about them eating their lunch. Given how big these companies are and how wide their coverage, I'm only gonna to touch on a few areas and I'm sure it's one that we'll come back to. I hope you can join me. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com. That's transformer with an A.